0: Here, there is a lot of snow. Maybe there too, maybe in places where you are too. And if, I was talking with some people here over the last few days about, at least in the beginning, in, in, in the city it changes kind of quickly, but in the very beginning, there is this moment when. Snow reminds us of the silence that is everywhere. Everything quiets. When we walk through it, afterwards, many of us, maybe not everyone, but many of us have a feeling of quieting down. I wanted to. Um, not exactly sure what this talk is going to be about, but it has something to do with silence. It has something to do with emptiness. It has something to do with relationship. And this silence that um, the snow brings. There's something about the body quieting down that Zazen brings, that um, it's almost like the body releasing into the world. and letting itself feel the silence that is through everything. I don't quite um, feel this, at least for me, in the same way that I feel what we might call stillness. We use those together. I just want to make one distinction, maybe, and maybe this will be resonant for you, maybe it won't. But stillness, when our minds stop grabbing on to the thoughts that are arising, the thoughts that are arising about the phenomena we're experiencing, the arguments we're having in our head, the beliefs we have about other people, whatever it is, all the ways we're right, all the ways were wrong the mind really releases from that and kind of lets everything move of its own the mind isn't necessarily stopping it's not really particularly relevant actually if the mind is thinking or not thinking this is In a way, what Dogen's talking about when he's talking about non-thinking, which is neither thinking or not thinking, but that the mind is no longer grabbing onto the thinking or the not thinking. It doesn't need to not think. It doesn't need to think. There's the activity that is happening. There's the activity that's not happening. And the mind is experiencing that and doesn't particularly need it to be another way. It also doesn't particularly need to believe its stories about the world in those moments. It doesn't need to grab onto stories as ground. But the ground is actually being free of the stories. which isn't really a ground at all. It's everything whirling, everything moving, everything being free as itself. We've talked about this before, the somewhat paradoxical, but not really paradoxical, But at first, paradoxical reality that stillness is letting everything free. Letting the world of our bodies and minds be free. And when this happens, in some ways, we can fall back into the world. We're not caught up by the reins of karmic activity. There's karmic activity. But we're not caught up in it in the same way. And so we can feel the world. We can feel the earth. We can feel each other. We can feel the presence of trees. We can feel the presence of bricks. We can feel the presence of people passing us. We can feel the wind. We can feel our life unfolding as our life. And when we begin to feel that, then there's a quality there that is a um, that may come forward. It is like a profound silence. A world that is no longer hinging on my volition, on my will. A world that's unfolding as itself. A forest that is patient. A sky that is patient earth beneath us that is patient fully patient with everything that's unfolding and our bodies can rest in that place and can trust that place if we're not wrestling with the world We're not grasping the projections that are flying out of us onto everything. We realize in some ways in that moment that the direction of the whirlpool is opposite of what we thought. Up until that moment, we often think that the energy is coming out of us. We're the ones willing, we're the ones doing, we're the ones deciding, we're the ones doing all of these things. It's whirling from the self that is at the center of all things. But when we stop grasping to everything that's arising, grasping onto the energy that is our lives, we realize the direction was actually going in the other way all, the whole time. Everything was coming into us, was arising as us. And that sense of, being was a vortex it's there there is something that we can point to and feel as me as this one but it's always shifting with everything that's flowing into it all of the time it's not holding its own place at all the world is holding its place miraculously we get to feel that we get to have a sense of it and then we make it solid but this um sense of what we are you know, what we would call the, the maybe the realization of emptiness emptiness of own being or that there is no solid self there this is really important to to kind of understand with all of these experiences of silence and stillness and that there is no solid there there it's very tempting to take any of these experiences and make them into something more than just the mind stopping its confusion. In other words, there's an experience of it, and then we go for that experience again, or we are wondering why it's not here, or if a person comes in front of us and we have um, strong feelings about it, we want to get back to the silence, as if it's not right there in the experience with that person. As if the realization of emptiness is not in that relationship, at that moment, at that time. But it's somewhere else. And here's the thing about the embodied realization of emptiness. When there is an embodied realization of emptiness, there is only relationship. There isn't anything in relationship to any other thing, there is relationship all the way down. This one is a whirling of relationships. The only thing that really exists in the world outside of the abstractions my mind likes to toss on things are relationships. Relationships we have with Mother Earth immediately in front of us beneath us, around us, the relationships we have with the animals around us, the relationships we have with the human beings around us, the relationships we have with the buildings and streets and cars and structures that are around us, but there's only relationship. Everything else that's happening, Everything we think about those relationships, all the giant abstractions we build, they are sometimes incredibly helpful in understanding what's going on in these relationships. But they cannot supplant the relationship itself, or we will be lost in confusion. Our description of the relationship that's happening in front of us, if it completely replaces the felt sense and experience of that relationship as it's unfolding for us, we will be completely lost. We'll be lost in self, we'll be lost in abstraction, we'll be lost in karma. I have to learn this again and again and again. but it is no less true every time it becomes real for me. So we sometimes talk about the absolute and the relative, absolute and emptiness and all of these things here, things like silence and stillness and all of the absolute ways we talk about absolute. And then we talk about the relative, which is the muck of everything, the relationships. (laughs) And we also talk about in our tradition that those two worlds cannot be separated from each other. And one way those two worlds cannot be separated from each other is that the realization of the absolute, the realization, of emptiness leaves nothing but the necessity of caring for ourselves as relationships in the world there is nothing left there is only the recognition of the absolute is that there is the only thing left is the care for the relative if it's understood in any way As taking us away from the care for the relative. We've turned it into a thing that is no longer the absolute. If we understand emptiness as some place, if we understand stillness as some place, somewhere we're trying to get to, insight as some place we're trying to get to, it ceases to be the absolute at all. So the only way the absolute remains the absolute is if it's opening up, Insight in such a way that we are seeing the only thing left is our relationships and caring for them. Any move away from that is confusion and separating the two truths in a way that is a mistake. Absolute Realization frees us into compassionate activity Wisdom frees us into compassionate activity It frees us from everything that gets in the way of that If it's not doing that it's not wisdom It's something that's being grasped it's something that's being held If we're judging and feeling better than other people and being arrogant and thinking we know more and all of these things, we're the ones who have the real spiritual insights, we're the ones who actually know what's going on, all of these things. This is not, this has nothing to do with the wisdom of our way. And so sangha becomes critical. Everyone becomes critical. Everything becomes critical. But sangha becomes critical because sangha becomes a uh, space, hopefully. That it's a little easier to see these connections. That there's a little more trust, a little more faith, a little more ability to come to the relationship and be awake with it. And sometimes in Sangha, those relationships get difficult, they become hot, they're dealing with things that we don't want to deal with, or having to be too vulnerable, or who knows. Long list of reasons. It's not the the Sangha I think it should be. No sanghas are the sangha I think they should be. And all of that there, all of that present, all of those thoughts, nothing wrong with thoughts. We should discern them. We should drive them into wisdom. We should care for them and think about them and make sure that they're, um, see how they're informing us but to grasp them over and above the relationship that we are in, in any given moment, will cause harm. Which means that we have to live as bodies, which means there's a great deal of sensitivity, there's a great deal of vulnerability. And it means bringing everything as we can into that relationship. So if we see, think of a community like this one that's trying to. Um, trying its best, not often failing, but trying its best to um, look at the histories of violence that are in those relationships that come up in our bodies together, that aren't just histories but are being manifested now, that we're seeing through our world and society. They have to be there. They're a part of the relationship. To ignore them and pretend they're not there is not to be in relationship. To focus only on them, to become anxious about them, to grab onto them, turn away, freak out, become angry, all of that. That's also, that may be a part of the relationship, but we have to include all the other aspects of the relationship as we're conscious of them. So our relationships with each other between our bodies are not simply and only those relationships. They're infinitely more than that, most of which none of us have any comprehension of. To realize the emptiness of the relationship Not just the emptiness of those in relationship, but the emptiness of the relationship itself means to allow all of the aspects that are actually flowing through that relationship to be present. And we'll have the skill to address some of those things. We won't have the skill to address others. There will be hurt, and then that will be in the relationship. And can we stay there? There will be tremendous fear, and can we stay there? Is through all of that and this is where zazen is everything and why sitting is everything in this lineage in terms of not everything but everything in terms of creating a foundation is that that is where we're going to build our capacity for the stillness and the silence that runs through even those difficult aspects of relationship. So that we can feel that silence in those moments, when we want to run. When we want to control, when we want to tell everybody what to do, when we think everyone's wrong. feel in our chest, and in our belly, and in our root body, and throughout us, the silence that is everything. It's easy to, um, and not inaccurate, it's easy and not inaccurate. To see the complete confusion and pain of the world. To see the stupidity of our species, the way we treat one another. To see the polarizing violence that exists. To worry for the people who are the most vulnerable. And because that is not hard to see for us, maybe it's hard to see for some, but for most of the people I talk to in this community, it's not that hard to see. And because people, there is so much greed. Even the Buddha talked about in the Ganya Sutta how greed then gave rise to grasping up all kinds of territory and land, which gave rise to hatred, which gave rise to people being violent toward each other and so on. And it goes from one thing to another, all coming out of greed. If we are really going to be able to um, live with that without turning away or touching without turning away or grasping i don't know i don't know how to do that for myself without this practice and this kind of sitting meditation that returns us to mother really for me returns us to mother earth where there is a patience and a witness is infinitely greater than our tiny human lives and everything we're doing. I want to encourage the Sangha, because we're in a time of transition. We don't know what's going on. And we don't know what's going on either. I don't know what's going on either. I don't know what's going on with the Sangha. I don't have any more information than any of you do in terms of what is going to be the case with our Sangha in the next two years. I don't know. We have lost things. We have lost a temple. We have, um, we don't, some members of the community are here regularly. Some aren't. And we still have months of pandemic. And then there will be months after that of understanding what's happening and how we come back into a life where we're we're able to come back together. And then what have we learned? What have we learned during this time? What are the things we weren't doing before that we need to be doing now? If we just flipped a switch and went back to the way it looked before, this time, that would be foolish. Too much has been communicated. Too much has been lost. Too much has been trumpeted out into the world. so I have no idea what we're going to look like on the other side. But I do know, and I do know this part. What will deliver us to that will be the Sangha taking care of its relationships with each other. of honoring those relationships and not only because the Sangha is a jewel and that there is no practice without spiritual friendship and that none of this makes any sense without Sangha at least in our tradition But that the caring of that relationships, the caring of those relationships will be the expression of. The expression of and the feeding of wisdom. Will be the recognition. It will come from the recognition that I am because of all of you. And if that isn't there, that isn't there in sangha that isn't there in our world, the deep recognition, the reversal of the whirlpool that I am because of all of you, then we will struggle. If it is clearly there, we'll still struggle. I don't know that I have much else to say other than care for the grasping. Let's all care for the grasping of our minds. Let's listen for the silence of the earth with our whole bodies. and let's care for the relationships that are our lives. There is really nothing else but them. And in Suzuki Roshi's language, if we shine our corner of the world, if we care for the relationships, all the relationships that make us up, if we all do that in ways that include The whole of those relationships, the painful, the joyous, all of it, honestly. Then, at least in this corner, we'll be all right. It will be frustrating because we will witness that not everyone will be doing that and it will cause great harm. And that's when we have to accept, that's when we have to accept that the Buddha did say Dukkha was a mark of human existence. We won't be able to clean that up entirely, but we will be able to care for the Dukkha that is here. We do have that ability.